What's up, guys? Rick Gaiman here with your DFS preview for this week's Players Championship. That's right. It's finally here. This is really the meat of the schedule, right? You get a $20 million purse this week, the largest purse in all of golf. And then we're going to, uh, before you know it, we're going to be at uh, Augusta National. We're going to be having a major every single month. We're going to have the match play. Th this is it. This is it. I cannot wait any longer. So why wait? Let's jump into it. Here's the course key stats tool on my website, rickrungood.com. Everything that you see in this video will be from my website. Uh, I love it. I think you will too. So TPC Sawgrass, a lot to kind of unravel here. First off, I'm certainly not a meteorologist. I don't even play one on TV, but it looks like it's going to be a wet week. Obviously, that can change in Florida, right? The weather reports can change very, very quickly, but it's shaping up to be a wet-ish week. Who would that, in theory, help? A couple of players. It would help uh, bombers that carry it very far. Think like Roy McElroy, right? It would also help guys that um, are probably more accurate off the tee because if they get to a position where they're playing lift, clean, and place, um, preferred lies, that will be a huge advantage to golfers who are playing out of the fairway. That is, uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of you know, uh, predicting and forecasting and all that stuff. We are a ways away from getting an announcement from the PGA Tour that they are playing preferred lies. But like, this is the type of stuff that you are probably going to want to think about early in the week. And as you start creating your lineups, if we go down these specific paths, who is that going to help? Uh, additionally, I've got all the data for TPC Sawgrass here. Uh, however, remember that they moved this event back from May to March starting in 2019. So 2019, they played it in March. 2020, they played one round and then canceled the event. And then 2021, it was played in March as well. So I'm really focusing on just those two years, 19 and 21, because this plays really different from March to May. The Probably the biggest place that it plays differently is on the putting surfaces. These these are technically Bermuda greens. However, this time of the year, they are overseeded. I won't get into the nerdy, uh, you know, green surface stuff with you, but it's it's POA and it's basically closer to bent grass this time of year than uh, than in May. So I'm I'm not going to be completely diving into Bermuda grass numbers for this week, though technically that is the surface that they have out there. It's just a different kind of animal here in uh, May, uh, March than it is in May. Historically. The types of golfers that have had a lot of success, and if you look at the regression model and you look at the last dozen years of the types of golfers that have had success, it's approach play and it's off the tee play. There's actually an argument to be made that in more recent years, uh, putting has kind of been neutralized a little bit. You know, they run so pure when they're overseeded that these guys who are poor putters think Justin Thomas, who's won this event, uh, who won this event last year, like that that's possible. Hideki was out to a really hot start in 2020 before that event was canceled. It, it, there, there's a little bit of numbers to back it up, and there's a little bit of eye tests to back it up that you can probably get away with some poor putters this week. If you're playing the props, if you're playing on, on prize picks and you're looking for fairway and green percentages, this golf course uh, last year was basically middle of the road. So fairways, 
59% of the time for the field. That's 24th out of 51, basically the dead average on tour. Greens and regulation, 66%, 27th out of 51. Again, very close to middle of the pack. Birdies are better about 20% of the time, 21st out of 51. Again, very close to middle of the pack. And then the scoring average, um, a few or a half a stroke over par. That was about 16th in terms of difficulty. So top third in terms of difficulty on tour. Weather, uh, uh, precipitation will definitely dictate scoring. If they get any wind, that will definitely change things. So we're going to keep an eye on it as the week goes on. And while I'm here talking about the golf course and the cat is already out of the bag, um, for those of you who have not heard, uh, Andy Lack, who is my co-host for the Scramble on Tuesdays and Fridays, and we do in-depth uh, props and matchups and all that fun stuff. Uh, for those couple of hours, is we're kind of expanding the role for him in the in the Rick Run Good ecosystem, which I'm very very excited about. And Andy is. He's great at course breakdowns, amongst other things, and really getting into the nitty-gritty, nerdy stuff. And what he's going to be doing now is two additional things for RickRunGood.com. He's going to be providing a course breakdown, which I've already read for this week, and it is... It's nerdy, and it's in-depth, and I love that. It's exactly what we're looking for, so that's available on rickrungood.com, and then he's going to be doing a Wednesday kind of final thoughts because as you get closer into uh, lock time and and ownership is out, it's a completely different game for fantasy purposes from Monday to Tuesday to even Wednesday and Wednesday evening. So Andy is going to be offering that up, a lot more value to the Rick Run Good subscribers. I'm very excited about it uh, and very excited to see where it goes. One last thing on the course, and... And as it pertains to props, because I know a lot of us are playing on prize picks and we're trying to bankrupt them. and We're doing a pretty good job over the course of the past couple weeks. But I, this has got to be their largest board ever. You know, they not only have the normal fairways and birdies and greens and regulation and, um, you know, uh, scoring and all that stuff. But there's so many players available. I, I mean, just I mean, there's usually what, 24 names, Todd? There's just a million. There's a million names available. And then they've got single holes for nine, two, 11, and then they bunch together 16, 17, and 18, which is going to be an incredible sweat. So I know a lot of us have been doing really, really well on prize picks. Um, a, a couple of items. I think this is going to change as the week goes on, but I think if the softer conditions do end up coming through, it helps the over on fairways. Uh, a lot of times on firm, fast golf courses, you get a situation where the ball lands in the fairway and rolls out through the rough. We saw that a lot at Bay Hill. If it's soft at Sawgrass, I think you get a lot more guys hitting fairways. Additionally, uh, so like Colin Morikawa would be like, a prime over fairway candidate if this thing is soft. Just love the way it sets up for him. Even Abraham Answer, which the model is a little lukewarm on at the moment. Like As weather starts to come in, as we see how this changes, I think guys that are shorter, more accurate drivers are very much in a really good spot. But what we found is that the single hole stuff, the single hole stuff is seemingly a huge edge. Prize picks can't do anything on the par fives but set the line to four and a half. That's what they do. So a, a birdie or better, that's under. A par or worse is over. And I've loaded in all the data over the last handful of years for TPC Sawgrass in every single hole. So if you look at hole number two, for example, which is a par five, it's very, very simple. 
what you can do is you can scroll through and you can say, okay, who's available? Well, Tommy Fleetwood has played this hole 14 times. He's made birdie or better in eight of them. That's 57% under. Justin Thomas has played it 19 times. He's gone under 63% of the time, 12 of them. Even Emiliano Grillo, who's played this 16 times, has gone under 56%. And you can look at it in the other direction as well. Believe it or not, Max Homa uh, has made par or worse on two occasions, two out of two, the only two times that he has played hole number two in his career. Cam Champ, who destroys par fives, has trouble with number two. So I love looking at this data, and you can use it for each and every round, but I think you're going to get a really good opportunity on unders for hole two. And then if we kind of look at holes nine and 11, you can do the same thing. 11 might be a good place to start. That's kind of a very unique hole. And I bet you'll see some really high and low scoring averages. Yeah, you do. Zalator's played the hole four times, made birdie or better. That's under each time. Tom Hoagie's played it 11 times. He's gone under eight times. There's just little defense that prize picks can put out there, uh, quite frankly, which is, which is great for us. Um, Andy Lack and I will go through the props on Tuesday Scramble. That's a live show, 12 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel and Friday. I'm not a huge like give out the picks guy, but I we're 15 and two in the props uh, since we've started in the last in the last what's that four scramble episodes. So we've been absolutely killing these. I know you guys have too. Uh, if you go sign up, which I highly recommend you do and use the code Rick, it's a 100% instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. <throat> these tools on my website are free and they are just incredibly valuable. And as weather and stuff changes, you'll see the projections and things change. And what we've also seen is, the lines move very, very quickly once this video comes out or once the scramble comes out. So if you see something you like, you might want to grab it before it starts going in the other direction. So wishing you the best of luck there, but this might be the most profitable form of fantasy at the moment. The cheat sheet. Yes, let's go. 10 golfers. Nope. Five golfers over $10,000. Let's try that one again. Uh, this pricing came out early. I believe it came out on Saturday. I want to say, so Bryson DeChambeau was slotted in the pricing. He has withdrawn, so I've removed him from the cheat sheet. I've removed him from the tools. And it also does not really consider Scotty Scheffler's victory at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So we will talk more about him in just one second. But remember, this pricing came out early. And when pricing comes out, and it comes out early, and it comes out for big events like majors or the Players' Championship, it is always very soft. You are going to be able to build whatever lineup that you want. I think we've got 47 of the top 50 golfers in the world here. They can't all be priced $9,000 and up. So you're going to get a really good deal. You're going to be able to construct lineups with golfers that you uh, know and love. It's it's a week. I love weeks like this. So let's go. John Rahm at the top, Roy McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland. I've got a lot of thoughts here. Uh, John Rahm, who we have successfully been fading in outright markets uh, over the last, I don't know, especially the last couple, of, especially since the new year, right, where he's really been short in the outright market. That has not come back to burn us yet. I really, and, and last week, I didn't love the way that Bay Hill set up for John Rahm. I'm more on the side of playing Rom this week 
uh, than I am not playing him for DFS purposes. And let me show you why. And a lot of this might be dictated by ownership as we get to, you know, Wednesday with the live chat and as things are going to change. But here's what I see from the metrics of John Rahm. Very clearly, the reason that he has not been winning golf tournaments is the short game, which is staggering because John Rahm is such a good short game player, but we are now in a stretch of five consecutive events in which he has lost strokes around the green. Start scrolling back through his results. Can you see any other five event stretch in which he's lost strokes around the green? I I can hardly find three. This is, this is very much the worst short game stretch of his career. And he's now lost multiple strokes putting in three straight. Again, scroll down. Can we find Another stretch. Well, here he lost multiple strokes in three out of four. That was back in 2018. Uh, again, three out of four, but it's not multiple strokes. You you can't find it because it hasn't happened. So we are in a historically bad run for John Rum. Now, the good news for that, that would be devastating for a lot of golfers. But this historically bad run for John Rom has resulted in a T14, a T3, a T10, a T21, and a T17. It's absolutely insane because he is by far just the best player week in and week out from T to green in the two ball striking categories. He lapped the field last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational in terms of ball striking numbers. So here's the way that I see that uh, see this, and I'll show you his, his player's championship stuff in, in just one second. There are a lot of paths to John Rahm finding success this week. Uh, one of them is that he just figures out the short game, and the short game gets back to a point where we have seen for the last two years, and he just gets back to that, gets back to his baseline, and he probably wins. The other thing is, again, building on this idea that we've seen actually some poor putters in the overseed March version of this player's championship really find success. And maybe even if John Rahm enters not putting so well, that's okay, right? There's kind of a couple of different paths for John Rahm to get there. It's exciting stuff. Remember, he probably should have won this event. Oh boy, the years are, are, are all running together now. But remember when he dumped one into the water on 12, it had to be 2019, right? When he dumped it into the water, it wasn't last year in, in 2021, but he's got a 12th place finish and a ninth place finish in his last two starts. Is In both of those, he gained strokes with the putter. I'm much more optimistic this week on John Rahm than I was last week because the metrics look better and also I think that the, the flaws in his game currently are not necessarily going to be as magnified when we get to TPC Sawgrass. Roy McElroy is up next, and quite honestly, I think he is very much just a, a game theory play, right? I mean, wh- whatever ownership dictates on Roy McElroy, that's kind of the way that I'm going to end up playing him. I'll see what the industry does with him, considering that he got off to, you know, your first round leader, your hot start at the API, and then he has a couple of bad rounds on the weekend, and he finishes T13, and it feels like much more of a disappointment than it actually was. And if he would have started the other way, right? If he would have started with a couple of bad rounds and shot the round of the day on Sunday, I think a lot more people would be excited when he goes back to Sawgrass, which is a place that he's already hoisted the trophy on Sunday. You look at some of his results around here. He's got one, two, three. I'll give him four top 10 finishes in his last seven, and I didn't even include the 12th place finish in there. Another another really good spot in terms of course history. Um, And if you start talking about wet Florida conditions, 
that's Rory McIlroy. Like that, that is uh, the absolute probably best situation I could run him out in. I will mention this, um, and you can see this in the history here. This event is carnage. You are going to have a lot of, maybe not a lot, but some of these guys who are priced over $9,000, some of these guys who are going to be popular, they're going to miss the cut. You know, even Rory McIlroy has bookended his victory in 2019 with two missed cuts in the years around. Patrick Cantlay, who came in entering last year as one of the hottest golfers, the best golfers, and maybe even better since, since then, missed the cut Last year, and he's missed it in two straight. Hadek, or, uh, Xander has missed it in two straight. Uh, it's just you get a lot of carnage around here. So be careful. I think playing the game theory angle, the lower own, staying away from the chalk, probably a little bit better this week than most weeks. So keep it in mind. But a, a wet Florida course for Rory McIlroy is uh, scary, scary stuff. Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland. Hard not to like any of these guys. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of ownership conversation. So when you, you know, if we think this is a ball striker's paradise, which I do, and you go look at the power rankings, last 20 rounds sorted by ball striking, uh, you basically get all three of these guys as top 10 players. You know, Morikawa has been gaining 1.6 strokes per round. JT's at 1.3. Victor is at 1.3 as well. I mean, they're just elite, elite golfers. And even if you want to start throwing out putting as a really strong correlator, that also really helps JT. It really helps Colin Morikawa. I, I mean, th- there, there's a reason why these guys are going to be popular and there's a reason why Justin Thomas has won this event. There's a reason why the other two are probably going to win this event at some point in their career. So if you made me split hairs on these guys, um, I would argue that probably we might be in Justin Thomas fatigue at the moment and he's been playing just vintage Justin Thomas, right? Just absolutely vintage Justin Thomas. So let's look at what we've got here. Every event dating back to the Masters, he's gained strokes on approach. And more recently, since the Olympics, you're talking about multiple shots on approach. He's actually driving it a lot better now than he was. He's putting it a little bit more um, peaks and valleys, which is kind of what you want. I mean, this is just a vintage JT portfolio. His last handful of starts, third, fifth, fifth, 20th, eighth, sixth. I mean, that's that's JT. Is he going to win? The putter will answer that question. If he puts well, he wins. If he doesn't, he probably finishes T12, something like that. That's that's the range of outcomes for, for Justin Thomas. And I wonder if people are going to shy away from him saying, hey, you know, no way he wins this in back-to-back years, which I don't believe it's ever be, even been done at the Players' Championship. Or they're going to look at the pricing and they're going to say, well, I can be uh, I can save $300 by going down to Victor, who's on a, still on an incredible run of golf, or I can just spend up and go to Colin Morikawa, who's already, you know, who's won a handful of our recent major championships and all that stuff. So we'll see what ownership says, but these are uh, three really strong options. I think that the, you know, the inside 150 yard range where you end up having to do a lot of scoring, I think is really good for JT. I think it's really good for Morikawa. Um, I think Victor will kind of separate himself more off the tee in some of these situations. And and then hopefully with the flat stick is, is where I would hope that Victor would pick it up. But um, we'll see as the week goes on. We'll build out some models later in the episode. But this is a, a really class uh, trio here at the top, as you can imagine. 
The 9K range here, absolutely fascinating when you have a field this deep. So you've got uh, Cantlay leading it off. Cantlay missed the cut last year, kind of in jarring fashion, also missed it in 2019. Um, but when you, it's hard to split hairs for the guys in the 9K range. So what I did is I loaded up the power rankings. I've got, you know, last 20 rounds in here. And we can just look at this range right here, which is the $9,000 range. And no surprise, Scotty Scheffler, who's 9,200, is the best in this range. 2.2 strokes gained per round over his last 20. Obviously, that includes two victories. And because the pricing came out very early, Scotty's probably going to be popular. And I'll tell you what. If I could buy stock in Scotty Scheffler for the next four months, something like that, boy, I think he's in for a really good run. He already has the two victories. He's got um, he's got this event, which is probably a pretty decent setup for him. You're going to go to match play, which he's had great success at. You're going to go to Augusta National, where uh, I'm now that Ted Scott is on his bag, he's kind of unlocked a different side of Scotty and Ted Scott's got all the great Augusta national uh, knowledge after being on Bubba's bag. Then you're going to go to like, you know, the Texas open. It's just the next four months or so for Scotty Scheffler could be massive. And I think will be popular this week. So maybe we sit out this week and just ride him the rest of the way. Maybe that's the play uh, for, for Scotty Scheffler right behind Scotty. Patrick Cantlay, 2.1 strokes gained per round. You know, the only knock that you can make about, about Patrick Cantlay at this point is that he has not been good in big events. You're talking about major championships. You're talking about, uh, I guess, really the players because he was great in the playoffs, right? That's kind of its own unique animal. But the, the advanced metrics are... Just absolutely nuts. You know, he's gained strokes off the tee in every event since the match play. Um, his last, what, seven starts are win-win, fourth, ninth, T4, runner-up, and his worst finish in that stretch is the T33 at the Genesis, in which he had played, what, a handful of weeks in a row. You were wondering about how tired he could have been. The putter's been there. The around the green game is there. The approach, approach play is mostly there. If you're willing to take a flyer on Cantlay, which I believe that I am, and I'll get burned again. That's fine. Uh, he's a great option in the in the nine thousand dollar range. Dustin Johnson sub ten k. You want to know the last time Dustin Johnson was sub ten k? It was the twenty twenty two Players Championship. Uh, excuse me, the twenty twenty two PGA Championship. He finished runner up to Colin Morikawa in that event. Uh, now that does not necessarily mean that he's going to finish runner up again just because he's under ten thousand bucks. Because I think he's fairly priced. You start looking around at what the metrics are, and you start to see a little bit of reason to be concerned, right? Four out of the last five, Dustin Johnson has lost strokes on approach. Four of his last six, he's lost strokes around the green. The putter has cooled off a little bit, which is the one thing that he really turned into an excellent putter in the last year. The driver, the big stick, the weapon, kind of losing that a little bit. I'm, I'm probably concerned about DJ here, even though you're getting a pretty enticing price at $9,800. If I was going to take a flyer, a flyer on somebody in the 9K range, I'd probably prefer Spieth over DJ. And the reason for that, and, and the Spieth stuff at Sawgrass has been, it's been bad. You know, the first time he played, I think he finished fourth. And outside of that, it's been, it's been horrible. But look at the advanced metrics and look at the ebbs and flows here. So Spieth, and I've talked about this quite a bit, Spieth during the summer of last year, he was, he was driven by 
his approach play. It's very, very clear. That was the best part of his game. He drove it to basically a zero. He got a little bit of short game magic, and he was rocking and rolling. That's the, the driver of Jordan Spieth is actually his approach play. And then that stretch at the end of the year and, and coming into 2022 where he was pretty sour, uh, what do you see? He lost strokes on approach basically every single event. Well, we're starting to get a little bit of a tail up. Right, a little bit of a tick up here. Gains 5.7 strokes at, at Pebble Beach, which is only two measured rounds. Gains uh, nearly two in Phoenix. Gains another one at Riviera. This is, we're starting to see a trend. If we can get more of that, I think Spieth is a better flyer option than, uh, than Dustin Johnson is, even though I don't have a ton of confidence in either of them. $8,000 range is amazing. So it starts off with Zalatoris and Daniel Berger, who I think are at the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of public perception, or at least in terms of like DFS golf Twitter perception. I think if you polled golf Twitter, everyone would be all in on Will Zalatoris this week for $100 more when you are, um, you know, he told us he's, he's, oh, he loves major championships or he loves like bigger, tougher events. And he's had a couple of close calls recently and he just seems to be the flavor of of the month and and Daniel Berger for a hundred dollars cheaper you know the perception around him is so much worse than what the reality actually is you know he withdraws from the Pebble Beach program before it starts an event that he was defending in so he withdraws before that and he misses the cut in Phoenix and it's like okay the lingering back injury I can forgive all of this. Then he's got the what five shot lead or six shot lead with 19 holes to go at the Honda and he coughs it up. But if you just look at it on paper, you've got a seventh, a fifth, a T20, a miss the cut in Phoenix, and then a fourth place finish at Honda. Uh, the Honda metrics were vintage Daniel Berger. Two off the tee, four and a half on approach, three around the green, and two with the flat stick. The well-rounded approach from Daniel Berger. Of course it is. That's exactly what he does. So it's just weird that we got a WD, a miss cut, and a, uh, a Sunday failure that the miscut or the uh, the the withdrawal doesn't mean anything because he didn't play, he didn't burn anybody. The miscut you can forgive him for, and then it's a fourth place finish in vintage Daniel Berger fashion. I'm I'm stunned at what the negative perception is. Daniel Berger uh, should be one of the better plays here. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in the optimal lineup. He's got top ten upside. He's eighty eight hundred bucks. I mean, come on. I, I I'm very excited to see what DB does this week. I think there's a small case to be made for Brooks at 8,600. There is an interesting, uh, I don't know what to do with Adam Scott. So when you start looking at the results, obviously the great the great players championship history here. Uh, finishes fourth at Riviera, 26th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And while I like the trend that we're getting from Adam Scott, I'm also a little bit worried about this, which is this is round by round stuff on the Holy Grail. His last three rounds at the Arnold Palmer, he hemorrhaged strokes on approach. He lost three and a half. He lost a stroke. He lost a stroke and a half. I know it was tough conditions and maybe when you're kind of, I mean, he wasn't really out of it though. I, it's just, he was kind of in it. I mean, he gained, he was, he was out hot after round one. He gained four strokes there. He really relied on the putter, which has been good. I worry that the range of outcomes for Adam Scott is pretty massive. When's the last time he lost three Houston? Yeah, I don't, I will, um, I think it's only worth deploying Adam Scott in situations where you want to take on risk.
right? I do not necessarily, even though when you look at the the course history, necessarily think that he's a safe option. Um, being a bit more reliant on the putter, losing a bunch of strokes on approach over your last three, those are yellow flags. I would only be deploying Adam Scott in situations that I was super uh, volatile in, and if he checks in like over 20% or something like that, I, I don't know how you could play him for DFS purposes. Um, Shane Lowry, on the other hand, $8,000. Top 10 here last year for 70 and a half holes was the best player at the Honda Classic. And he thought that that um, that event was kind of taken from him when he the, the, the skies open up and it just starts to absolutely dump rain for him to play the rest of 17 and 18 on Sunday at the Honda Classic. But the the advanced metrics are great. Um, you know, his results uh, outside of the PGA Tour over his last four are, are DP World Tour. It's T14, T24, T12, T9. He had that stretch last season where he was doing what he's doing right now, which is the good iron play. I think that there's a really intriguing pivot from Adam Scott to Shane Lowry that can be made. The sevens. My God, look at these names. Look at these names that we get to, to buy for $7,000 or so. Uh, okay, before I completely dive into this range here, I want to just start finding guys who have played the 2019 version and the 2021 version of the Players' Championship well. So I've gone to the Holy Grail. I've just loaded in those two years, everybody in this field, and I've sorted by strokes gain total. Because what you get when you do that is you get $10,000 guys and you get $7,000 guys, right? So you can kind of use some of these small sample sizes for golfers that might be on a bit of a good run here. So Lee Westwood's number one, but he's only played one of those uh, two years. He only played uh, this in 2021. He finished uh, runner-up. We know that. It was back-to-back runner-up finishes. When you start to look at other guys in the 7K range, well, Abraham Answer's here. Abraham Answer and Sergio Garcia both gaining 1.8 strokes uh per round to the field in the 19 and the 2021 version of the Players' Championship, which is, again, those are the March version. So Answer finished T12, T22. Sergio Garcia finished T9, T22. Uh, let's see what else we have here in the 7K range. Tommy Fleetwood, he has six rounds, which means he obviously missed a cut. That was in 2021, and then it was a T5 in 2019. Jason Day, we'll see if he ends up teeing it up this week. T35, T8, and then Corey Connors. These are all like top 50. 15 guys in the field in terms of those two years, and they're a lot of them are in the $7,000 range, seventh place finish and a 41st place finish for Corey Connor. So that I, I think if you're looking to get small sample size, um, but but targeted small sample size, right? Like there's a really clear reason to only look at 19 and 21 because the course plays entirely different from March to May. So if you're looking to do that. You've got a ton of options in the $7,000 range. I, I continue to be able to, un, uh, uh, hard to look past Matt Fitzpatrick here. So just got better each and every day. Started out a bit slow at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, backdoors himself a top 10, which is something he's been doing constantly. We I pointed this out last week. I emailed it out last week. Um, Top 10 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, top 10 to Phoenix, top 10 at Pebble Beach, top 10 at this event last year, $7,700. It's just, it's, that's the soft pricing, right? That's the kind of thing you get with soft pricing. 
The $7,400 price point includes both Gary Woodland, who is back-to-back top five finishes, and Paul Casey. I'll be interested to see what those ownership numbers look like on Tuesday and Wednesday because I think you're going to get a lot of people who are going to want to go to Gary Woodland and forget about Paul Casey. Casey played well for two rounds, and his weekend was like 77-81, something outrageous. And Paul Casey's been known to do that. When he's out of it, it's just pure ejection time. But he finished finished fifth here at this event last year. You've got a couple of decent finishes prior to that. I would not hate a Paul Casey pivot – from Gary Woodland if Woodland ends up being very popular and Casey ends up being not popular at all. So we'll keep an eye on that as the week goes on. The uh, 12, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time live chat on Wednesday. We'll know the answer to that question. So Rick Run Good YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Here's what I think is really fascinating. Obviously, we're getting a huge injection of talent into this field. But Cam Young who has played, this is going to be like his fifth week in a row, which is a little bit concerning. Cam Young is $7,200. He has finished 26th in Phoenix, runner-up at Riv, 16th at Honda, 13th at Arnold Palmer Invitational. Go back before that, 20th at Farmers. So you're probably thinking, is he the real deal? And the answer is, I don't know. I think he is. I don't know if he is. Uh, He's a real deal with the driver. And if you look at the power rankings, go to the last 20 rounds for every single golfer in this field. Cam Young is 7th in raw strokes gains total, 1.98. And actually, that probably doesn't even include, let's see, if that would be, okay, that would be back to farmers for him. Okay, so that does include that. So um, he's 7th in raw strokes gain total. If you weight this, if you weight this, which again, this is my calculation, multiple years in the making, that um, you know factors in strength of field and all this other stuff, right? Basically saying, is it more impressive to gain two strokes at the U.S. Open or two strokes at the Barracuda? And obviously the answer is two strokes at the U.S. Open. If you change this to weighted for the last 20 rounds, Cam Young is second to only Scotty Scheffler in terms of strokes gained. And it makes sense. The stacked field at Riviera that he finished runner-up to. Farmers, top 20. 26th in Phoenix was a stacked field. Arnold Palmer, stacked field, top 15 there. So it makes sense, but I don't think people would necessarily think about that. Now, this will be his first time playing the Players' Championship. Um, There are obviously concerns about lack of experience and uh, whether the the putter can get can get hot enough. Although he's a pretty decent putter, I just really like the way he's playing. He's flying in here. I don't know what his ownership's going to be. We'll know that later in the week. But I'm really really impressed with the talent of Cam Young right now. Before I move on, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Max Homa was just a ball striking fanatic last week at Arnold Palmer Invitational. I think Scotty Scheffler, or no. Uh, John Rahm and Victor Hovland were the only two guys that were better than Max Homa in strokes game ball striking last week. And we know when Max Homa putts well, when he gains a couple of strokes with the putter, he basically wins every single time or he top tens every single time. So um, that was a stat I threw out in the offseason and it still it still bears itself out to be pretty true. $6,000 range. Uh, you get started in the $6,000 range by Brian Harmon, who was one of the top guys for those last two years, right? An eighth and a third place finish. I think Keegan Bradley also popped up there as well, 29th and 16th in the last two versions. I do want to see, yeah, Aaron Wise. 
I know. I know. I know what you're thinking. Like, what are we what are we doing here? But I will go back. Here's the, the live leaderboard. It's still up from last week, or you could just look this up in the Holy Grail or whatever. But the ball striking numbers. John Rahm gained 11 and a half strokes ball striking last week. Victor Hovland gained nine. Aaron Wise gained eight. Lost four strokes putting. It's... It's not only classic Aaron Wise, but it's it's the type of statistical profile we want most weeks, and it's the statistical profile that we want at Sawgrass, and we have seen him putt better at times. I mean, we're, we're I, I said we got it. We got to go through Florida, right? We got to go through Florida with Aaron Wise, and we're going to continue to do that. But the, there is there are some signs there. If you want to look at um, Tita Green instead of just the ball striking numbers, Corey Connors pops up as well. Um, gained eleven shots from Tita Green because he was great around the greens. Lost three strokes putting. Brendan Steele was also another one. So if you're looking back at that live leaderboard from last week, that is what you would see. I think the good news with the kind of soft pricing is you don't really need to get down to the $6,000 range too much. I was impressed by what Patton Kazire did 32nd last week and kind of faded a little bit. I thought he showed signs of, of really good play. Sebastian Munoz again. We've now got a Sebastian Munoz on a stretch of three straight top 26 finishes. We know when he gets hot, he gets really hot. When he plays well, he can contend at any single event. So I'm, 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 cont- I'm happy to go there. I don't know how much I'll actually need to dive into this range. Uh, the other one's Bo Hostler. I'll tell you what. This is a, a a four out of five event stretch for Bo in which he's played really well. Concerns. This is a week like what week seven, eight in a row for him. It'll be week seven, I believe, in a row. It's a lot of golf. He birdied seventeen and eighteen and probably made himself uh, you know another sixty or seventy thousand dollars at the API. But now it's two straight top twenties. It's starting to see signs of improvement. I. I don't mind using one of those guys to deploy if you're going to go down to the $6,000 range just for kicks. Let me scroll all the way down here. Sam Ryder's been fine. He's been holding out all over the place. Um, what's this? JT Poston? Yeah, JT Poston back-to-back top 25 finishes, and he's shown signs of life recently for 6,100. That's definitely probably the most comfortable I feel at the lower portions of this. Uh, okay, let's run a model. Here is the... Rick run good custom model. You can plug in anything you want. Uh, I'm going to say last 20 rounds because we're in that time of year where these guys are playing a lot and I want to kind of keep it short term. And what we know about Sawgrass is that you want to be good off the tee. You want to be good on approach. So let's do a weighted, weighted strokes gained model. We'll do 25 off the tee, 25 on approach, and then just a little bit around the green, a little bit with the putter, 10 and 10, nothing too crazy. Then, um, you know, if you want to play the bucket game, which I know a lot of you guys do, I would probably split between you know, 50, 125, 125, and 150. So I have 30 left. Let's call it, um, let's call it 15 on each and just say, hey, these are the scoring, these are the scoring ranges. These are where you're going to be making your hay. That's where you're going to be taking advantage. And my, we'll sort by value. Oh boy. Back to back, maybe? Wow. Back to back or back to back. JT's number one, Justin Thomas. In my model. So no surprise. No surprise there. Uh, his back-to-back would be defending his crown. Scotty Scheffler's number two. His back-to-back would be back-to-back weeks. And three out of four. Xander's three. Morikawa five. Had, uh, no. <laughs> I, I obviously don't know how to count. Xander three. Morikawa four. Hideki five. Russell Henley six. Which makes sense. 
But if you look at Russell Henley, he is um, – what was his price tag? I'm pretty sure he's missed, yeah, three straight cuts here, which is a little bit concerning, and he's missed five of his last seven. Just might not be a place that sets up well for him. So you got to kind of take everything into consideration. Keegan, seven. Berger, eight. Let's go. Cam Smith, nine. Chris Kirk, okay, ten. Yeah, I'm okay with this. So this is kind of one model. I'll run a couple more as the week goes on, but this will allow me to do a little bit of more research on Cam Smith, do a little bit more on Keegan Bradley, determine how much access I want to get to him, and then start building lineups off of this, which you can do here in the custom model as well. And I'll tinker through these and we'll look at ownership as the week goes on so still plenty more content coming for you in this players championship week i'm absolutely stoked for it let me know who you think is going to win in the comments you can tweet me it's at rick run good best of luck this week and i'll talk to you guys soon